listening to the Standout Girl podcast and we are obsessed with helping you to thrive every day. Whether we're talking faith, purpose, relationships or identity, we don't shy away from real life and real talk. Think of this like a chat with your gal pals as we navigate the messy and miraculous parts of life. So pull up a seat, get cozy and let these workshop style conversations help you thrive every day. So today you're hearing a sneak peek into one of our live community masterclasses. In this episode, we're joined by Rachel Hughes, wife, mama five and lead pastor of Gas Street Church in Birmingham. We open up and chat about Rachel's lessons learned and the wisdom that she carries from decades of life and leadership. I really hope this episode strengthens your soul. And if you want to find out more about the membership, you can find all you need to know at standoutgirl.co.uk forward slash membership. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to tonight's masterclass, Wisdom from My Life and Leadership with the one and only Rachel Hughes. And we are so honored to have you with us, Rachel. And for those you all probably already know, but Rachel is the lead pastor of Gas Street Church in Birmingham with her husband, Tim. She oversees a national women's ministry, The Orchard, and just casually on the side raises five young children. So we're amazed by you and we're so honored that you would be here with us tonight, Rachel. So welcome and thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. What a treat. Love it. (laughs) So we love to ask people three questions to settle them in and to get to know them more. So we'd love to know, Rachel, what do you do? What do you love? And what are you learning right now in this season? Oh, good questions. Um, so what do I do? Well, as you said, I my job is I lead Gastry Church with Tim. And uh, at the moment, I'm currently on adoption leave, although I've, I've just sort of easing myself, weaning myself off adoption leave. So I'm back at work one day a week. I mean, one day a week, um, officially. But, uh, you know, I sort of, it, our lives are kind of like, like this, you know, there isn't like work, home. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weave and we make that work. Um, and so that's what I do. Uh, and we've we just in the process of adopting um, a one-year-old. In fact, she turns one next week. Wow. So yeah, four. I have five children. Four are by four are biological. One by soon to be adoption. So we've done foster to adopt. So we she's been with us since she was a week old. Wow. Um, so she is amazing and gorgeous, and we are just in love. Uh, so yes. So that's why I've been I've been sort of out of the picture a lot really this year in terms of the church leadership stuff, um, but slowly stepping back in again. Um, and then what was the next question? I better be a bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love it. We love just listening. So um, what do you love? What do I love? Oh my, oh gosh, that's such a big question. I love my kids. I love my husband. Um, I love what I get to do. I love that I do something that I really love. I know that sounds corny, but you know, the more you chat to people, that's not always a given. And so I feel, I feel really blessed that I get to do something that I really love and that feels like it stretches me in the right way and utilizes some of the gifts that I've been given. I love, I love our church. Um, and then I guess I love, I love sourdough bread. Yeah. Is that very, 
that I make my own. I know I'm, we've got chickens. We just got chickens. <laughs> so I make freshly laid scrambled eggs on a freshly baked slice of sourdough. Maybe a little avocado, smashed avocado with that as well. Yeah, love that. Yes. <laughs> and do you bake the sourdough? I do actually. I, I sound like such a farm girl, don't I? We get eggs. Um, Jenny also clearly likes sourdough and scrambled egg. So yeah. Amazing. And what are you learning right now in the season? Yes, I would, I mean, I'm always learning. I feel like the if I was to sort of really articulate very, very simply what God is teaching me right now, it would be surrendering my self-sufficiency. That feels like it sums up everything that the Lord is trying to teach me on a personal level right now, that I'm, I'm pretty good at being in control of my life. I'm pretty good at juggling a lot of things. I can be quite independent and I can be really self-sufficient actually. And in many ways, they're not bad things. And of course we're in a culture that would really celebrate that. But I, I know that the Lord is really, really wanting to teach me at a deeper level what it looks like to be totally dependent on him. And um, it's really not very comfortable when God <laughs> tries to teach you that because then you end up in situations where you really have to depend on him. And he's like, you see, this is what it is. This is what we're talking about. And it is much, much better that way. Um, but that, that would be it. I'm, I'm really trying to learn how to surrender my self-sufficiency to him and just trust him, trust him more, trust that he, he's got everything that I need to do what I'm called to do, yeah. That's amazing. And so I can't wait to hear more from you tonight. But for those who are familiar with this setup, what we're gonna do now is I've got a few questions that I'm gonna put to Rachel just so that we can all hear from her wisdom on life and leadership. But then if at any point you've got a question that you would like to ask Rachel, please pop it in the chat so that we can see, that we can notice that. And then at the end, if we've got time, we're going to do a live Q&A and put some of those questions to Rachel too. So let's dive in then, Rachel. In you are, you probably by definition have a very full life. <laughs> so I'd love to know in seasons where you felt overwhelmed, what has helped you to hear God and discern what he wants you to prioritize? Because I think I speak for a lot of people and a lot of the girls here tonight we bat people juggle things and it's like how do you know what's the right thing at the right time do you know I think the first thing I'd want to talk about is capacity and I think one of the things that I've learned is that people have different capacities and for different things so I'm a, I'm really good at juggling lots of things I you know I'm and I'm, I'm going to say what I'm good at first so don't you know there's plenty well, you'll you'll hear what I want to say. So I I can host loads of people in my house. I can rustle up food out of nowhere. You know, I can I I'm good at organising. I'm good at having lots going on. I've really high capacity for that. Whereas relationally, I have I I've got other friends who who would look at my life and say, I don't know how you do that don't know how you're juggling so much or look at the calendar and think, ah, you know, I'm stressed out just looking at it. But they have really high capacity relationally. So they could spend hours 
chatting on a deep level with people. Whereas I, I, I really like that. I really enjoy that. And I have a close group of friends that I process with in that way. But I find that quite tiring. And so I think, I think what I've noticed is, I think I used to be a little bit judgmental, if I'm honest. And I'd look at other people and think, please don't tell me you're tired. Like, don't tell me you're tired. Like, I'm tired. Look at my life. I'm tired. But people have different capacities. And one of my best friends, we had this conversation recently and she's like, you know what? I've just come to accept, Rach. I've got a lower capacity than you for doing, doing stuff. And that's okay. And I also have to accept that about her. And so I think it, it's, I think a lot of what I want to say is that self-awareness is absolutely the key really learn and this is where comparison is an absolute killer because comparison gets in the way of us doing the healthy work of being aware of ourselves and this leads on to the next thing I guess because the other thing I would say is always listen to the reason why you're saying yes to something or the reason you're saying no to something mm -hmm. so if I'm trying to work out what what am I prioritizing right now the next question would be what are my motives what are my motives and if my motives are not in line with who who god has called me to be then that's a red flag and i'm sorry i feel like i'm jumping around a little bit here in my head but one thing i will say is i don't think it's ever been a mistake when i've prioritized the children over opportunity ministry opportunity and I think we can live we can live in a world even like a Christian subculture where unless you take every opportunity and I, I feel like I'm going to slightly contradict myself because there have also been seasons where I felt like God say say yes to everything if you get asked to speak say yes say yes say yes because there was a sort of a I'm too scared I'm too scared because like no no just say yes and so obedience in one season was just say yes but in another season, and this is another theme I feel like of what I want to say is life is seasons and the rules are going to change. So I couldn't tell you do this categorically for the whole rest of your life. But in what discern the season you're in, discern the capacity that you have in the season that you're in and then make the call and then ask the questions about motives. So, for example, I've just taken a year out. And humanly, you know, I say year out, I have been raising a little baby and my other children, and I've been dipping in and out of church, you know, church life. But in, a, in some ways, a year ago, there were lots of opportunities coming my way to speak at different things and, you know, lead in different ways. And I was fully immersed leading alongside Tim and Gastry. And I always knew that we were meant to foster or adopt. And, and it was just, it just burned in my heart. I mean, this is a whole nother conversation. And I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And God said, now's the time. And I knew that meant I just needed to step right out and I needed to say no to things. I mean, it just so happened that it coincided with a lockdown. So God is very gracious in that sense that I, I didn't actually end up saying no to many things because nothing was happening. <laughs> but I was prepared to, I, I, I did, you know, my other four children were born really close together. And I was in the, what I'd call the trenches of motherhood for like seven years, hidden behind the scenes, 
mundane, just, you know, putting in a shift to love my kids well. And it was hard at times. And then I re-emerged um, when my youngest went to nursery, started leading alongside Tim. And it was like, oh, it's far, you know, it's different part of me. You know, I'm still mum to them. There was, but it, it, it was energizing a different part of my calling, my gifting. And I knew it was going to be a, okay, I'm going back into the trenches of newborn baby. I, I know my capacity. If I'm going to do this well, if I'm going to raise this little precious one well, I'm going to have to step right out of a lot of the upfront stuff, a lot of the behind the scenes decision making and strategizing with Tim. It would mean saying no to speaking engagements, although again, that didn't happen because of lockdown. And I was ready to do that because I, I trusted that there's a much bigger picture and there will be other seasons. There are going to be other seasons where I may do more upfront stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I would say prioritizing is about seasons. It's about capacity and it's about motivation. Yeah. So good. so good. And on that then, Rachel, how much do you, so for anyone who's going, how do I discern the season that maybe God's saying, how much of that can you put down to how you feel? So like, was there a part of you that felt like I actually really want to give myself a year just to in fully engage in this? So how much can you trust your feelings on that? How much does God speak through how you feel? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. And again, I'd say this is tied in with motivation because if, if you're saying yes to something because, and you know it's coming from a place of, pride or it's coming from a place of selfish ambition then that would be a flag and I, I I've said yes to things because I'm like oh this could be a good opportunity this would be a good opening or whatever rather than and that could be again it's so nuanced isn't it it's so nuanced that could be a really good thing that 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 might not necessarily be a bad thing but I'm also aware that there could be times where I'm saying yes and it's not the Lord, it's me, it's, it's me. And I, but equally, I think there are times when you, we can say no to things and we say, are we saying no because we're scared? Are we saying no because actually we're afraid of whatever it might be? Or are we saying no to something because we're scared we might fail at it? Are we saying no because actually we're quite comfortable where we are and we don't really want you don't want to have to deal with the stretch that it's going to involve. So I think it back to your question about I think if you've been journeying with the Holy Spirit for any length of time, I think to a degree you can trust your feelings as long as there's a real self-awareness there. Mm. And is this feeling of a red flag from the Holy Spirit of I need you to say no to that or I need you to say yes to that? Or, or is the feeling um, a feeling that's rooted in, I mean, at the end of the day, like um, a flesh, a fleshy response, fear or pride or selfish ambition. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's what I feel like having followed the Lord now for however long, I feel like I'm pretty good now at discerning what's a Holy Spirit mm, and what's a Holy Spirit no pulled back. And, the, and it is all caught up. Like, let me give you an example with, with the fostering and adoption thing. On paper, it was absolutely bonkers for us to take on a little one. Life was what you'd think of was maxed, was full. 
And we spent a long time discerning this decision, a long time, years and years and years. But the thing that I kept hearing over and over again, you know, I'd sort of start to play out another a fifth child stepping out. I feel and, and the, the, the thought that kept popping out of my head was this, this phrase that I sensed the Holy Spirit saying to me was just make room, just make room, just make room. Thought, OK, I can do that. I can just make room. I can just make room. And I knew that was the spirit. I knew it wasn't me like, oh, I should do this. We need to do this out of a sense of duty. It was like a heart longing. And yet my head was like freaking out. Does that make sense? And so it was like the Holy Spirit needs to speak to my head, like, just make room, just make room. And he's been utterly faithful throughout the whole process. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I keep jumping around. I hope that's no, no, so good. It's so helpful. So I'd love to jump around then into a different question so in stretching seasons then how can you tell the difference between growing your capacity and actually reaching a god-given limit i think i think for that one there are probably you know like on a car there are you get the warning lights that pop up i would say when you're reaching your god-given capacity the warning flags pop up yeah I think that's that's certainly for Tim and I we've it's so nuanced it's really hard to give black and white answers because some of the red flags could also be actually you need to make this adjustment in order for me to this is the Lord you know in order for me to bring about a stretch does that make sense yeah so like if we'd taken on our new little baby and I just stayed working I know the flags would have popped up all over the place but in order for us to make the stretch in our family life, I had to pull back from church. So I think that, so, so for example, I'll give you some of the red flags might be, for me personally, I can go into control. So if I move into a place where I'm needing to control in an unhealthy way, that's a red flag. Oh, I need to, I need to stop and have a look. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna go. <laughs> you should be with our children, darling. What are Hopefully they're asleep. Um, I was actually he him being here is quite one of the other warning flags it, it would be around our marriage. That if we if we're not laughing together, if we're not connecting together, you really thank you. Great. Bye bye. Um if, you know, if, if we're disconnected, if we're, if we're fractious with each other sort of over a sustained period of time, then again, we'd, we'd be like, okay, hang on, something needs to change here. And it, it might be that, again, it's just sort of a readjusting of things. It might be that it's not necessarily saying no to the last thing that you said yes to. Does that make sense? It might be that there's something else going on in a different department that just needs to be looked at like could be a really practical thing like um we have a cleaner and that makes a huge difference because she is a godsend i prayed her in <laughs> i know this sounds silly but like i don't i mean i i mean we need, i'm cleaning 24 7 like she comes and does like the toilets and the you know i'm constantly emptying loads of dishwasher there's always it's not like our house is immaculate by any stretch of imagination but more I'm saying that took some of the load off 
like to be honest anyone can clean our house but not anyone can raise our children not anyone can pass to the church and so it's like what what needs to be adjusted in order to make room in another place I mean that's just a really small tiny practical thing of many other things yeah that's really helpful Rachel thank you so much okay so what do you wish someone had told you about leadership um yeah I got again so many things I think I think I think the truth is when you're first stepping into leadership you have to just learn on the job I think you have to allow yourself to make mistakes and to fail and to get things wrong and to come back from that uh, and so I don't think anyone likes that. No one likes making mistakes or getting things wrong, but you have to get used to that really quickly. Um, because if I think if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not, you're probably not at the stretch that, that the Lord is asking of you. Because I think when you're moving outside your comfort zone, inevitably there are gonna be things that you get wrong. I would say one of the things for me is around absorbing other people's stuff and I, I I think this you know I I lead my children I see it in the you know mothering my children is leadership and it's a bit like kids you know I think good parents absorb a lot of their children's emotional turmoil you know or processing that's what you do you just you soak it up um you're you're like the constant you're the steady you're the steady and while they're, you know, you just, you soak it up, you absorb, you absorb, and you, you know, if they say, I don't want my dinner, you know, the temptation to say, well, no, 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 it's like, sometimes you just, you just absorb. And I think with leadership, in a church context, I'm thinking, you know, we, we lead our church, our, our staff team, and um, there have been times where we have just had to absorb other people's stuff. And sometimes things get leveled at you that aren't really yours to take on, but actually the, the right thing to do is just to, to soak it up. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, to not always defend, like, you know, fight or flight? Like I am a full on fight. So if, if I'm in a situation where I'm, the defenses of, I go in for the fight, I am not a flight person. <laughs> and so I've had to really learn that there are times when you're leading that you can't put up the fight. You just have to say, I'm gonna just take this on. I'm just gonna take this on board. I'm just gonna take this on board. Now the key is what you do with all of that stuff. Um, and that's the key. Because if you're taking on, if you're in leadership and you're taking on with your children or with your team or whatever, you're taking on all this stuff if you don't process it in a healthy way, in a safe place, you know, you've got to have a safe place where you can have a rant and a rave, you know, and you can feel it. If you're not doing that, it will turn toxic and it will lead to, it will leak. It will leak out of you on, on the people around you. So the key is you have to find, and I think that's, and actually this leads me on to, I think one of the other things there was, a, there was a brilliant pastor in London called Pastor Agu. And I remember him speaking to a, a room full of leaders, seasoned church leaders. And he said, um, 
one of the main things he'd learned was to build the storm shelter before the storm. Okay. And again, in your, if you're in leadership, that storms are going to hit. We've, we've certainly weathered our fair share of storms where there's just unrest in the team or there's sort of external stuff coming at you. And the storm shelter are your support network. You're, they're your safe place. They're the people that you can process with, that you can just belly laugh with. And his point is you, you, you build that storm shelter around you before the storm hits. And I think in leadership, it's very easy to get isolated. It's very easy to become alone because inevitably, especially in the church context, you can end up leading your friends, which can become a really complex dynamic. And so you need to have people, trusted loved ones who are outside of your, your leadership context that will be your storm shelter, that will be your self safe place that you can just offload all that toxic stuff because a lot of leadership is absorbing and I think the other thing I'd say is the importance of character I think we've seen this a lot recently actually where there's been there's been a few things where leaders have been ex exposed and they may be highly highly gifted they may have built hugely successful ministries or churches but actually when you scratch the surface there's some pretty ugly stuff character wise I think that's something Tim and I have always tried, tried to prioritise within ourselves, that we would, we've always allowed ourselves to be held to account in terms of our character, to work on our character and to not, not just say, oh, well, we're the leader, so suck it up, buttercup, you know, <laughs> this is how it is. It's like, no, we, 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 we need to take account for who we're becoming, mm -hmm. not just what we're achieving. I think that's that's really important. And then I've mentioned it before, but I think self-awareness is massive. I, I, I've been on a huge self-awareness journey myself. And um, I, I, I realized I realize that there were responses, there were ways that I was responding in, in certain meetings or certain contexts when, you know, my defenses were triggered. I was hurt, you know, something happened and, it, you know, I, I had to really, I really had to do the hard work of, and actually I've done this in the context of counseling. I've got an amazing counselor. And she's helped me. Okay, well, let's just, let's understand what's at the root of those responses. Let's really do the hard work of understanding why you're responding in that way. So I think, yeah, that self-awareness is, is massive. Mm, that's so helpful, Rachel. You mentioned before, um, right at the start, that you're realising with your, with how many kids you've got, with your role. Like we said, you run a women's ministry, you co-lead a church. You've got a lot going on that, you've learned that life isn't like boxed but it's like a wit you use the word weave like it's just mm -hmm. all blends would you just speak into that because I I know from my personality type I really like everything in I like my boxes I like my ducks in a row and actually sometimes I know have seeing the girls here I've spoken to some of them actually that concept of just kind of not going with the flow but do you know what I mean like life ebbing and flowing can feel unsettling, like, oh, I'm not in control. How do you do that and just make peace with this is how it is? I, I think I would say in our lives, like Tim and I, our life, we have boundaries, but we don't have hard and fast rules. Does that make sense? And I think that's the difference. Again, the self-awareness thing, you know, I love to be in control, so I'm... I love the boxes, I like neat and tidy, but my goodness, life is just not neat and tidy. 
And so again, I would say, I'm, I'm not leveling this at you, by the way, personally, but I know for me, sometimes God's like, you just have to surrender your control, surrender the boxes. But I think boundary, what I'm not saying is throw the boundaries out. And so Tim and I, one of our boundary lines, for example, is between, and it's changed a bit over the seasons because now our kids do a slightly longer school day and summers, our little one is really little. So, you know, it doesn't quite affect you in the same way. But really up until about three months ago, Tim and my day always finished at four o'clock. And so four till 7.30 or eight o'clock, those four hours were just like non-negotiable family time. We never scheduled meetings at that time. We didn't take work calls at that time. We didn't do emails at that time. And that was just sacred family time. And I would say that was almost close to a hard and fast rule, but it was certainly a boundary line. And yet there were always gonna be occasions. And when I say like occasions, rare occasions where something would have, you know, you'd have to be a bit flexible. So I think the way that we work it is that we have boundaries around family, particularly. So again, Saturdays would be family day, but there are gonna be times where a ministry trip or something comes in and you have to adjust. Tim and I, we have a day off on a Monday, that's a boundary line. And like our assistant knows, you don't put anything on on a Monday, that's a boundary line, and yet, you have to be flexible because there are going to be times where you might have to just shift it around a bit and change. So I'd say it's the way that we work it is it's 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 there are boundaries, but there's flexibility within the boundaries. I think the other thing is, I think when what you do is a calling, it's never nine to five. I, could, I mean, I, I'm just saying that out loud and trying to I'm questioning whether I actually believe that. <laughs> That could be, I'm gonna say in my experience, for me anyway, because actually you, if you're called to be a doctor or a midwife, then you probably have got set hours and it might well be nine to five. So just ignore that statement. That's probably not very helpful. What I mean is if you're called to something, you don't clock on and clock off. It's, it's just, it's, it's part of who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think boundaries are key, but if, if you're called to something, you just have to be flexible because the Holy Spirit may ask you to step into something. And if it's, it's like, well, it's out of my rules, it's out of my boxes, then it doesn't really work like that. And I, you know, I think what, one thing on that, um, Tim, I remember Tim heard this talk and I've subsequently listened to it, a guy in America, Pastor America, and he has this talk called Cheat the Church. And actually, to be honest, the, the, the rules in America are very different. The church pastors in America work crazy hours, like, like 60, 70 hours a week, something like that. That's like the norm. That's not, a, we're, you know, we're, we're just not going to do that. Like, we want to hang out with our children. We're not <laughs> going to. Um, but nevertheless, you know, church can seep into every part and you can feel this the job is never done the job is never done and that is the problem with a calling that's the other thing is when you're called to something the job is never done so annoying it's never done <laughs> especially if you're a complete I'm a complete finisher so I'm like I like the job to be done <laughs> um but he he said it but basically his story is he got to a point where his wife was like and again, in America, the roles are a bit different. 
it's from what I've seen, it's very much the guy is the pastor and the wife is the homemaker. And for some people, that's absolutely right. That if that's what you're called to, brilliantly, brilliant, do it diligently. That's not who we are. Tim and I are both, it's enmeshed. And that's probably why our lives are more enmeshed, because we're both equally called to lead the church. Um, so it makes it slightly more challenging. And actually, probably when you add our two hours together, it probably does come to more like, you know, the American pastor role. But he said, if you're ever in doubt, you're having to choose between the church or your family, cheat the church, cheat the church. Don't never cheat the family, cheat the church. And I think we've held on to that, that if there's ever a choice to make, we'll cheat the church. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I respect and honor that, Rachel. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, so you're in leadership. And I can imagine when you're out there, you're putting yourself out there, you're speaking, your feedback and what people think, that's a, that's a big thing for everybody. But I can imagine when you're really out there, it's, it could be a bigger thing. What helps you to live and lead for God's praise and gaze? alone in a world that you you know instagram likes but like how do you hone in on i'm doing this for you lord but also mm. taking on feedback but guarding your heart so you're getting the affirmation from him yeah i think there is a lot of internal work that has to happen yeah. to get to the point that's been my journey and i started um i started leading and speaking uh maybe sort of dabbling a bit maybe 20 years ago but then doing more stuff at HTB where I was at Holy Trinity Brompton in London and I I got into a place of real striving that I I really needed approval but from very specific people I I really needed approval from the most senior man in the room and there's a whole load of months of counseling which has worked out you know just anyway I won't I won't drag drag all of that up but it was really helpful for me to identify that if I was speaking in a context it really mattered to me what the most important guy and again my perception in the room thought of how I'd spoken what I'd done no, it didn't matter you know whoever else was in the room or I mean it did I, again it's nuanced it, it did as well it did as well of course um and I had to really die to that. I had to really do the hard work of understanding what was broken in me that was needing that affirmation. And that was a bit of a journey, an amazing journey, which I'm so glad I went, I went on. Because I wanted to get to a place, exactly as you said, where I could stand up and do anything that I was called to, whether it was leading or speaking or parenting or whatever and do it for his eyes only, for his glory only. And the thing is, God is so kind because we all know, it, we all need encouragement. Like I love it when I get an email that says, you know, I heard your talk, it's really, it's, it's helped bring about freedom in my life or it's helped me to process it. I'm like, I love that. And that's not wrong, that's okay. It's if we live for that. Mm. It's, and, and you know, shame, shame is something that I end up speaking a lot about because a lot of it is linked to shame because it, it, unless you get up and speak in front of people regularly, 
most people that I speak to that do that, most people, and you'd be surprised how many do feel that, even the sort of really confident, incredible communicators will get off the stage and you just feel this, this weight of shame. Because there's something incredibly vulnerable about leading and speaking up front. And you just feel exposed and you feel like, I failed, I failed, I screwed it up, I did it wrong. And the enemy is totally at work at that moment. And again, part of it has been processing where that shame is coming from and being able to step off the stage as it were and know actually I, I did the best I did the best that I could with what I had and God did the rest and I will never know fully the fruit of what happened in that moment but I trust the Lord and even if it wasn't perfect even if I didn't say exactly right I have to trust that if I was obedient in saying yes, if I was obedient in the preparation and I is obedient in preparing myself spiritually, then the Lord is at work and I have to trust that. And I think social media <laughs> is an interesting one, isn't it? I have, I have loved and hated social media oh, in equal measure. And I don't always think social media is the best place in the world. I think it's an incredible platform and it is an amazing way of getting the message out there. And I, I see that, but it is fire, it's fire. And we have to be really careful because fire does burn. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, again, I wouldn't ever want to say hard and fast rules, but I have, I've always sort of kept social media slightly arm's length. I'm not like a prolific poster if that's a word, you know what I mean, post. Uh, <laughs> um, I try and keep aspects of my life fairly private and personal, not, not to my community, not to my local community, like in my church, I'm, I'm open, but I, you know, I don't know, that's, bit, I've, I've, got some, I've got some boundaries, there we go, around social media myself and who I follow, who I don't follow, how, how much I look at it, how much I post, because I know I live for the likes. I love the likes. And if I was posting all the time, I'd be living for the likes all the time. And so I don't want to do that. Do you know, the other thing I would say on this is one of the lessons I think I learned early on is I only want to step into the opportunities that God is opening for me. And social media is incredible. It's an incredible marketing tool. It's an incredible PR tool. And I know I could do a much better job at marketing myself. I could put loads of stuff on social media, me with a microphone, me at this event, me meeting this person, you know, these inspirational quotes that I just rustled up. And I have friends that do that brilliantly, brilliantly. And they do it with integrity. They do it with, you know, a godly but for me I know me and I want to be authentic and I only want to be able to do what God has called me to and if I really pushed myself on social media I have a feeling I would end up having to sustain opportunities that weren't necessary from the Lord does that make sense so good so I want to be absolutely sure that 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 the opportunities that come to me are ones that God has opened the door on, not because I've manufactured it. Because if I manufacture it, then I'm not going to be able to sustain it in my own strength. I know that. 
And I think the danger with social media is that we can, we can make a lot of noise on social media. We can build a profile, build a name. Again, this is so nuanced because it's not all wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. Check your heart, check your motives. The last thing you wanna do is try and sustain opportunity that hasn't been given to you by God. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> so good. So, so good. And Rachel, we want to honour you for your time tonight. We know that you have a full life and you've got five kids and a lot going on. And the fact that you would take time out of your day at the end of a day, which I know is not the easiest, to be <laughs> with us and to invest in us. Honestly, we really value that and we honour you and we thank you so much for being willing oh. to do that. It's been an honour and a privilege to hear from you. So, yeah, thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, love it's it. It's been a pleasure. But we'd love it in closing if you would just pray for everybody. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. And again, thank you so much. Yeah, I love that. I want to chat to all of you. I want to find out who you are. <laughs> anyway. Um, we'll follow you on the walk. There you go, exactly. Yeah, Come on, you walk the dog and we'll be there. 8.30. Come on, walk the dog. Come on, walk the dog. <laughs> That'd be lovely. Um, Lord Jesus, what a privilege to, to be here chatting to these women. Thank you, thank you for them. Thank you that each one of them represents um, a child of God, beloved, beloved and called by you. And I just thank you, God, that you are, you're just incredible that the way that you love us uniquely and you call us uniquely, that there is no one size fits all with you there's no one way of doing life there's no one way of doing leadership but you call us according to uh, according to the gifts that you've given us and according to the plan that you've that you've placed on our lives and i pray now for each one of these women that you would fill them now with your holy spirit fill them up fill them up and i pray god that uh, they would sense your your pleasure over them, your joy over them. And God, I pray you'd fill them with boldness and courage and confidence in you uh, and compassion and humility. Lord, fill them up, enable them and empower them now in Jesus' name. Amen. don't mind us we're just over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode and that tells us that you are serious about thriving in every area of your daily life if you want more head over to standoutgirl.co.uk where you can find our membership community and heaps of content to help you thrive every day consider us a sisterhood of support in your pocket friend and we'll see you next time